You're listening to the EU China podcast powered by the EU China Hub, straight from Brussels, a show on which we interview important actors in the EU China relations and cover the top EU China news. Our mission is to help you to get a more nuanced picture of what is going on in the EU China relations. My name is Greg Stetz and I'm happy to have you with us. If you like our show, don't forget to subscribe and to tell your friends about us. Let's get started. Hi, here comes the EU China News Brief for March 21st, 2020. In today's news we cover Europe becomes coronavirus epicenter as China recovers. China's support for Europe, humanitarian aid and coronavirus diplomacy. Global response to COVID-19 unlikely amid distrust. EU-China summit officially postponed. Does EU-China investment agreements negotiations take a hit? EU proposes new strategy for relations with Africa, China mentioned. New competition law will likely target China's SOEs. Enjoy and stay safe. Europe becomes coronavirus epicenter as China recovers. Europe becomes the epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak while China braces for phase two of its coronavirus struggle. The fact that Europe and the US are beefing up containment measures will undermine the recovery of China's economy. Shifting epicenter. Europe is now the world hotspot with Italy and Spain being the main countries affected by the outbreak. Italy's COVID-19 death toll overtook China with 4,032 deaths against China's 3,240-plus deaths, according to the official government statistics on the Chinese site, which some question in terms of their accuracy. Those are the statistics for March 20th. Alarmingly, the death rate in Italy is 10 times higher than it was in China. Spain's number of confirmed cases reached 24,926, overtaking that of Iran. Spain is now the third country in the world in terms of number of confirmed cases. The WHO director recently commented on those trends, saying, quote, More cases are now being reported in Europe every day than were reported in China at the height of its epidemic. What are the measures that the EU is taking? After the initial shock, the EU rolled up its sleeves and announced the following measures. On March 6th, the European Commission opposed restrictions on exports of medical equipment imposed by some of the member states, including Germany and France, which stood in a way of solidarity in response to COVID-19. On March 13th, the European Commission proposed 37 billion euros stimulus package aimed at the healthcare sector the labour market and SMEs to complement actions of the member states. On March 17th, European Commission closed the borders of the Schengen zone for at least 30 days. March 18th, European Central Bank announced 750 billion euros programme to purchase new assets and bonds until the end of 2020 to stabilise the European economy. It is the so-called Pandemic Emergency Purchase Programme. On March 19th, the European Commission announced RESC-EU stockpiling so that it will coordinate stockpiling of medical equipment with 50 million euros available in grants to member states for these purposes. On March 20th, the European Commission cleared the way for the member states to exercise state aid beyond limits set in EU regulations. 
Still, there is some frustration in relation to EU's response and European solidarity, as we'll discuss in the second news bite. And as of today, China has not reported any new locally transmitted cases for the second day in a row. But it is fighting the second wave as many Chinese nationals return to the country. For example, initially Beijing announced obligatory 14 days self-funded quarantine for anyone flying into the capital. Now international flights can no longer land in Beijing and have to arrive in Tianjin or in Hohot. At the same time, government sources report that China's domestic lockdown is being lifted. Out of 1,119 closed highway gates, now all but two are open again, and 28 provinces restarted interprovincial travel. Official data also state that around 78 million migrant workers have returned to work. Still, China's economy has taken a hit over those last two months. A little takeaway, EU's lockdown can actually be a challenge to China. The EU and member states individually are taking some of the pages from China's playbook on dealing with the COVID-19 outbreak, lockdowns being the primary example. Ironically, this might prove to be one of the greatest challenges for China. After SARS outbreak, China managed to reinvigorate its economy relatively quickly thanks to the demand in the West. With Europe and the US going into lockdown, the global consumption is bound to go down, making it more difficult for the Chinese economy to get back on its feet. And remember that by 2021, China was supposed to reach one of the two century goals, achieving a moderately prosperous society, Xiaokang Shihui. Those are tough times to achieve the necessary GDP targets, and we'll see how much the party is willing to inject in the economy to supposedly achieve those goals. China's support for Europe, humanitarian aid and coronavirus diplomacy. China has launched multiple humanitarian and commercial initiatives related to the outbreak of COVID-19 in Europe. The messaging has been confusing as donations and commercial orders are often not distinguished. This, paired with the EU's inability to respond very rapidly, has made pro-Beijing messages more visible in Europe. Let's talk about this support. So over the last days, China has been launching multiple support initiatives aimed at exporting medical equipment to Europe. Much of the reporting on the matter fails to distinguish different categories of support, donations and commercial offerings. Through contrast, China's rapid and visible response also prompted accusations towards the EU, for example from Italy or Serbia, of being passive or slow to respond. It is hard to get a full fact-based picture as of now, but here are some of the examples. And we plan to return to this topic next week, but here are the most important developments. When it comes to the European Commission, on March 18th, President von der Leyen confirmed her call with Premier Li Keqiang, in a related video announcement, she stated, quote, We're converting new production lines, but this needs several weeks. And in the meantime, we are grateful for support from China. The premier announced that China is ready to provide 200,000 N95 masks, 2 million surgical masks and 50,000 testing kits. These can be shipped to Europe immediately. Our commissioner and the Chinese trade minister are implementing this. This support is highly valued and we're grateful for it. And here remember that the EU sent 60 tons of medical equipment to China in January and February when it was in the need. We talked about it in one of the previous news briefs. 
When it comes to Italy, on March 10th, Maurizio Massari, Italian ambassador to the EU, wrote an opinion piece stating, quote, Italy has already asked to activate the European Union mechanism of civil protection for the supply of medical equipment for individual protection. But unfortunately, not a single EU country responded to the Commission's call. Only China responded bilaterally. Certainly, this is not a good sign of European solidarity. End of quote. On March 15th, China announced that it is ready to send 5 million masks, 150 ventilators and two medical teams to Italy. This predominantly commercial arrangement was reported on social media by Italian Minister of Foreign Affairs Luigi Di Maio in a way that has been understood by many as a donation. The Italian government has since purchased further 100 million face masks from China. The EU-coordinated mechanisms are now starting to be implemented as discussed in the first news bite. But on March 19th, already 7 tons of equipment arrived in Italy from Germany. Other interesting developments are coming from Serbia, which on March 16th received a batch of 1,000 rapid test kits donated by Chinese humanitarian organization Mammoth Foundation. On the same day, Serbian President Aleksandar Vucic strongly criticized the EU for its lack of support and barriers for Serbia to purchase medical equipment from EU countries. He referred to the concept of European solidarity, naming it, quote, a fairy tale on paper, before assessing that, quote, the only country that can help us is China. He also sent a special letter to President Xi himself, calling him, quote, a friend and a brother of the Serbian people. On March 19th, the EU announced a donation of 7.5 million euros to Serbia and donation of medical equipment that is to arrive next week to support Serbia in the fight against COVID-19. The EU ambassador to Serbia, Sam Fabrizi, also reminded that the EU has actively supported the Serbian healthcare with loans and donations over the last 20 years. Serbia is also a member of the EU civil protection mechanism, so will be participating in the RESC-EU stockpiling. One other Chinese action related to Serbia and the broader Central and Eastern European region is worth taking note which is the fact that China used the 17 plus 1 mechanism to arrange a health-focused video conference on March 13th. During the conference, China's health officials instructed their CE counterparts, and additionally joining Maltese officials, about the best practices in the fight against COVID-19. 17 plus 1 has been a very controversial platform in the view of Brussels. Aside from these initiatives, we also have to take note of donations made by Chinese companies. For example, Alibaba Foundation and Jack Ma pledged to donate 2 million masks for distribution in Europe. Also members of the China Chamber of Commerce to the European Union, such as the Bank of China, Costco Shipping, ICBC, China Telecom and Geely, have donated more than 250,000 medical use masks to Europe. But taking a wider perspective, it is also clear that China pursues a certain coronavirus diplomacy, if you will. These activities naturally help China to improve its image in Europe, where it has been criticized for covering up the outbreak in Wuhan in December. And simultaneously, with support initiatives, China started to promote specific narratives. Here are some of those pro-Beijing narratives, as described by European External Action Services, EU vs. Disinfo. Quote, 
China and especially Xi Jinping have done an admirable job of containing the coronavirus. A centralized state such as China is actually an asset in such a crisis because the processes can be thoroughly controlled. The West, and especially the United States, should be grateful to China for their quick reaction and containment of the virus. The West, and especially the US, worked too slow and are now in total disarray of the virus. The virus did not originate in China. It stems from somewhere else. Those are just of the few examples, but you can see all of them in the report by EU versus Disinfo. So, some quick takeaways from this. It is important to take note of China's support, as voiced by President von der Leyen, coming in the form of donations or eased commercial access to the medical equipment. But it is equally important to be mindful of diplomatic PR power play that is going on. It seems to be a two-way strategy, on one hand solidifying China's position as a global leader in response to the coronavirus, and on the other hand limiting the criticism related to mishandling the outbreak in Wuhan in December, even to the extent of promoting quasi-conspiracy theories through Chinese MFA and unofficial channels. All this is paired with praising the efficiency of China's response to the crisis, ergo its political system. This, paired with the EU's inability to respond very rapidly, challenges the image of the European Union. And within Europe, let's not forget that governments can use pro-Chinese rhetoric as leverage in their talks with Brussels and other European actors, as shown for example in the case of Serbia. And in the context of China, let's remember the economic challenge mentioned in the first news bite. Selling medical equipment that the Chinese economy focused on in last weeks surely won't hurt. Overall, right now the situation is very dynamic and full of chatter with contradicting info. Global response to COVID-19 unlikely amid distrust. Coronavirus diplomacy aside, the moves by the United States and limited involvement of China in global response shows the challenge of political divisions in combating the virus. First of all, let's take a look at some setbacks in EU-US relations in cooperation on combating COVID-19. On March 12th, President Trump imposed a transatlantic travel ban targeting EU countries. Importantly, Trump announced his decision before EU's change of stance on locking down the borders and he has not notified the European leaders prior to the announcement. A surprising move. On March 15th, reports emerged that President Trump offered, quote, large sums of money to German company CureVac for exclusive access to the coronavirus vaccine, which the company is working on. The information was later confirmed by Germany's health ministry. But the division in global response is clearly shown by two Gs, G7 and G20. When it comes to G7, on March 16, the leaders of G7 countries emphasized the need, quote, to act together to solve, quote, health and economic risks. The 800-word communique from the meeting was a show of political will and not a proposed plan of action. Importantly, the G7 formation does not include China and it has not been mentioned in the communique despite its progress and experience in combating the virus. When it comes to G20, a virtual G20 summit has been called for by Saudi Arabia, which is currently the chair of the formation, and is set to take place next week. It will be an opportunity to discuss coordinated policies to respond to the challenge of COVID-19. 
China is part of this grouping, still the hopes for coordinated action remain low among mutual distrust. Here are some quotes from South China Morning Post sources on the matter. According to one European trade official in Asia, quote, not surprisingly, no one seems to want to involve China at the moment on future economic policy, end of quote. On the other hand, a quoted advisor to the Chinese government said, quote, global coordination either through G7 or G20 is needed. If we lose control, the pandemic will risk a new round of global economic crisis and social turmoil. So far, there is no coordinated global action and we may not see one anytime soon. End of quote. A quick takeaway here is that for now we just have to wait for the results of the virtual G20 summit as it may offer some insights about the potential of a future globally coordinated response to COVID-19. But for now, it looks out of reach. EU-China summit officially postponed. After weeks of speculations, the EU-China summit officially gets postponed amid COVID-19 outbreak. This means that chances for a meaningful agenda in Leipzig in September and progress with the EU-China Comprehensive Agreement on Investment Negotiations become slim. On March 17, the EU and China jointly decided to postpone the EU-China summit as announced by an EU Commission's spokeswoman. No new date was set. It will be decided as the coronavirus situation normalizes. For some context, the meeting between Premier Li Keqiang and President von der Leyen was supposed to take place in Beijing between 30th and 31st of March, although the Chinese site never publicly confirmed those dates. So, some takeaways. What does it all mean? It has an impact for 17 plus 1 summit, Leipzig agenda and, of course, the comprehensive agreement on investment negotiations. When it comes to 17 plus 1, following the EU-China summit, also the 17 plus 1 summit, which was set to take place in Beijing in April, is also going to get postponed, as we argued in our previous news brief. When it comes to Leipzig, the EU-China summit was hoped to bring breakthrough in negotiations on comprehensive agreement on investment, which could then be signed during the Leipzig summit. Such progress was doubtful even before the COVID-19 outbreak, and now, even if the Leipzig summit happens in September as planned, there will likely be too little time for such negotiations. And that increases the chances that Leipzig summit will not lead to any substantial announcements and may remain a political statement, potentially primarily useful for China. When it comes to comprehensive agreement on investment, Still, it is worth noting that Chinese sources claim that on a phone call between von der Leyen and Li on March 18, the two sides agreed, quote, to proactively advance the investment agreement negotiations. And also take note that it is Commissioner Hogan that was assigned as responsible for dealing with the transfer of medical equipment from China. That means that there are chances that some negotiations are still happening, even if on the sidelines of other activities. EU proposes new strategy for relations with Africa. China gets mentioned. When announcing the proposal for a new strategy for relations with Africa, High Representative Borrell mentioned China highlighting the Sino-European competition for engagement with Africa. On March 9th, EU Commission released joint communication towards a comprehensive strategy with Africa. 
It will serve as a basis for discussion with African states and the African Union ahead of the AU-EU summit set to take place in Brussels in October 2020. This approach has been contrasted with proposals from the Juncker Commission, which included limited consultation with African partners. It remains to be seen if COVID-19 will not disrupt this summit as well, as many African countries such as Ghana, Kenya and the Democratic Republic of Congo, as well as others, are imposing travel restrictions for travelers coming from Europe. When it comes to the content, the EU proposes to focus the cooperation on five key areas – green transition and energy access, digital transformation, sustainable growth and jobs, peace and governance, and migration and mobility. But there is also a China angle to all of this. So joint communication only refers to China once, comparing the value of FDIs made across the African continent. In the case of the European Union, it's 222 billion euros. In case of US, 47 billion euros. And in case of China, 38 billion euros. But during the announcement of the joint communication... High Representative Borrell voiced the EU's concerns about China's engagement with Africa a little bit by saying, quote, We have no inferiority complex. We're involved and we're going to continue to be, and our presence will, without doubt, be accompanied by not just investment, but also the desire to be partners in political, economic and cultural development. It's about making progress in a shared partnership. I don't know if that's China's point of view. End of quote. So a quick takeaway. I just noticed one thing in the statistics quoted. So the data quoted to show that EU is the largest investor in Africa, with China having only 38 billion euros of investments, actually comes from 2017. So given the rapid growth of China's outward activity in the last few years, this does feel a little bit off. So certainly, Africa's development of relations with the EU and China is a topic to keep an eye on. New competition law will likely target China's SOEs. At the beginning of March, Commissioner Vestega revealed that her proposal for the new competition law will come out in June. The proposal is likely going to be focused on foreign subsidies and SOEs. So, well, on China. A little bit of context here. Following her decision to block a supermerger between railway giants Siemens and Alstom last year, Commissioner Vestaga has been under pressure from member states to propose her new competition law. We wrote about it in our past newsletters from February 21st and February 12th. Vestaga said that she's going to release her proposal of competition law in June. And here comes the China angle. Although the new regulations are unlikely to single out any specific players, the new measures are clearly going to be put in place with China in mind. It is still unclear what new powers exactly Vestager would want to see, but they will be used to tackle, quote, the harm that foreign subsidies and state ownership can do to competition in Europe, end of quote. My takeaway here would be that there is a thin line between private and public in China. So this is the big challenge, or maybe a political choice. It is how broadly will the EU define state-backed companies in the Chinese context. After all, in China, private, public or party relations are very different than in Europe. 
Many companies fall into the gray area or an in-between category being nominally private but enjoying a close relationship with the government or the party. So making definitions here is going to be a very important choice. And that's it for this week's news brief. Stay safe and see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the EU China podcast. If you want to know more or to get in touch with us, visit our website, which is euchinahubwrittenjointly.com. And if you find this show insightful, be sure to leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. It will help others to get to know about us. See you next time.